adjust the stage to somewhere around here. So I, we are all welcome to church, and I I believe that we. I believe that we are already being blessed from the onset of the service. Yeah. From the onset of the service, we have already been blessed, and we'll continue to. And we'll continue to be, praise God. So while the media team help us set. So I'd like you to posture yourself and just press into God. You're not here for a man. I don't know if you've noticed, this Sunday has already started special. Today, I think it snowed. And regardless of the snow, you're able to make it to service. Praise God. Regardless of the snow, you you didn't stay in the comfort of your beds. You you made it past the snow and found yourself in church. So I'd like you to turn to your neighbor and make them feel a little bit comfortable. Just tell them happy Sunday. Tell them you made it to church. You're amongst the privileged few that made it to church. It's not easy. We acknowledge the effort that you put to show up in the service. Praise God. I'd like you to just... Really, I don't want you to just come here as you've made the effort to come and then leave the way you came. Praise God. I'd like you not put in that much effort to show up and then leave the way you came. Praise God. So before we start, I would like us to just worship and have that time to pray and not be distracted. The focus is Jesus. The focus is not me standing before you. I'd like you to just posture your heart. It's the only one that can change you. My words don't have the power to change you, but by his spirit, he's able to brood over. And, and I, I sense that God has started something already from the service, and he's just going to continue what he has started already. Praise God. So I'd like you to just posture yourself and just focus on him. And just ask him to not let you leave the same way you came. May, may I never be the same I've touched your grace My life must change May I never be the same I've touched your grace My life must change May I never be the same I've touched your grace, my life must change. May I never be the same. I've touched your grace, my life must change. May I never same. I've touched your grace. My life must change, may I never be the same, I've touched your grace, my life must change, may I never be the same, touch your grace. Listen, 
receive your light. I'll believe your word. I can do impossible through the power work in me, power work in me. I receive your light. I believe your word. And darkness cannot comprehend. Darkness cannot comprehend the power working me. The power working me. I receive your light. I believe your word. Darkness cannot comprehend the power working me. The power working me is a declaration. I receive your speak with boldness. I believe your word. Darkness cannot comprehend. The power work in me, the power work in me, I receive, I receive. I believe your word, I believe your word. Darkness cannot comprehend, cannot comprehend. The power work in me. The power work in me, I receive, I receive. I believe your word, I believe the word. Darkness cannot comprehend, cannot comprehend. The power work in me, power work in me, I receive. I believe your word. I can do the impossible. Can do impossible. Through your power work in me. Your power work in me. I receive. I receive your light. And I believe your word. I believe your word. I can do impossible to your power work in me, your power work in me. Just turn it to your prayer and just say, Father, I receive your light. And that's how I'm able to shine forth your light. And I believe it. I believe your word. Every word, every word that you have spoken already from the service to the word I'm about to receive. And darkness cannot comprehend the light of your word. And with all of that, I can do the impossible. The possible is made, the impossible is made possible. Just open your mouth and say, Father, I receive. My eyes are open to see. My ears are open to hear. And my heart is yielding and responding to your word by your spirit. I ask that you brood over every life, brood over every individual, and make this word not be mere words. Let your spirit give life to these words, 
and let it transform the lives of every one of us, including myself. Let there be an impact. Let there be an encounter. Let there be a transformation, not just an information. Let there be a transformation. Let your word, let it not just be a knowing. Let each and every one of us grow grow. Let there be a transformation. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that's in your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Amen, amen. So I'd like us to continue what we have been discussing. And some of us were not around, so thank God for technology. You're able to catch up with the previous, but this is kind of like a sequel to what we've been doing because we spoke. I spoke previously, that was on the 6th of last month on hearing God speak. So what we're going to be doing is that we're going to go forward tackling the avenues by which God speaks to us. Praise God. And one of them is his word. One of them is his word. Turn to your neighbor and say, God speaks. Turn to your neighbor again or the other neighbor if the other one didn't smile. Turn to him or her and tell, him God, tell her that God speaks. And he speaks through his word. Do it again. Amen. And, and I hope that you are saying it and saying it to them and saying it to yourself. Praise God. Because it's first for you and then for the person you've spoken it to. Praise God. So this is, a, this is how we're going to be doing it. So we're going to quickly walk through how God speaks through his word. Amen. Are we ready for this? Are you excited? Are you very much excited for what God is going to bring to you? Are you going to apply it? Because we don't just want you to hear and say, oh, wow, and then go and not do anything about it. Praise God. I want us to really come expectant and come willing to really make a change. Praise God. You, don't, you can't change if you keep doing the same thing. Praise God. And change is what ensures that you get a different result. Amen. So I would like you to just track with us. And, and hearing God is not a f it doesn't happen overnight, right? It doesn't happen, happen overnight. You have to first and foremost be able to start bits and pieces and then grow to hear him clearer and clearer. Praise God. The last time I spoke, I said, if you don't hear God, you can hear God, right? And if you do hear God, you can hear him better. So this is for everyone. Praise God. So this is for everyone. Don't feel, oh, yeah, I do hear him, and then you throw away the message. Praise God. You don't want to miss the message. So you want to be able to track or make an improvement of what exactly already you're doing. Praise God. And we want to hear God in the big things, right? We want to hear God in the big things. Okay, where do I travel to? Where do I school? And all of those things. But we fail to understand that God has been speaking to us in the small things, in the little things. And we have been missing that out. And then we expect overnight for it to happen. Praise God. And I'll use this illustration just to get us started, even though that this illustration was for the end. Let me use it at the beginning. You know, as good as brushing is, you don't brush once a week to cover for the other days, right? There's a reason why you brush every day, right? Yes, there's a reason. And if you decide that, oh, this brushing business is not really... It doesn't give me much time to do other things. And then you decided that on Monday you just brush for the seven, the other seven days of the week. Just use like one hour to brush and ensure that that can be splitted into the several minutes that you have done it over the week. Does that work? 
Now, if you try that, you will, the results will be evident, right? The results of not brushing will be very evident. Praise God. So there's a reason why we do certain things daily. There's a reason why we do certain things daily because that little, 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 and little you do every day is what gives you that result that you even experience before you leave your house. Praise God. So I'd like us to put that at the back of our minds as we progress. So, do you know that God loves you? Do you know that he does love you? Not, not because someone says he loves you, right? But because you know that he loves you. And knowing is one thing, but knowing how much he loves you is another. Praise God. And sometimes we just feel like, right? And it's not just an ordinary love. It's a marvelous love that he has for us. I'd like us to see NLT. He says, see how very much our father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Amen. So there's a function of knowing him and then recognizing his love. So when you know him, you recognize his love. If you don't know him, then you don't even see it to even recognize it. Praise God. So I'm posing a question to you. Do you recognize God's love for you? And if you cannot recognize his love for you, then it poses another question. Do you know him? Amen. And if you don't know him, we will get to that part. It's not too difficult to know him. And knowing him is not a religion, praise God. Knowing him is more than a religion. Knowing him is a relationship. And love is a relationship. And the relationship is not a one-day thing. What you do once in a week, what you do twice, or even thrice. It's something that is at always at the back of your mind. Praise God. It's always at the back of your mind. So, let's look at who the Word of God is. Let's look at who is the Word of God and what He has made available to us. Praise God. Let's look at who the Word of God is and what He has made available to us. So, this is our second text where we read from in John 1, 1 to 3. And I love, I love the Amplified because we see who the Word is. So it says, in the beginning, before all time, was the Word, in bracket, Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. And then you are confused, like, what's going on here? All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that, w that had come into being. So, what should, have, what should be at the back of your mind is who is the word, but I think Amplified already gives us an answer of who it, it is, which is Christ. And he has been and always is. I think the last time I told God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And let me take us back to Genesis. Just a quick, very quick walk from, so that we understand what exactly, because we're going to talk more about that. In Genesis, we know of the creation story where God 
had done the whole of creation. We I looked at how the beginning, how he called for light out of darkness, how he created the world, and, and then we move down to two, Genesis chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three, we see where man fell, right? And man fell, and God came and clothed man, even though man tried to cover himself with figs, fig leaves. And it just shows us how futile our covering, our we trying to cover ourselves gets. We cannot cover ourselves by ourselves. What we cover ourselves with will really um, sting us. Praise God. And then God decides now to do something, which is clothe us. And then he gave a promise in Genesis 3 verses 15. And that promise points to the word. He promised, he made this promise, and it, it seems like it took a while before Jesus, Jesus Christ comes into the scene. Praise God. It takes a while before Jesus Christ comes to sin, and he makes this promise, and he fulfills this promise in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we are all created, given birth to, and then we are later, because we are fallen, because we have a nature, and those of us that attend the cell would have started would probably be tracking with me already. Those of us that don't attend the cell, it's a good time for me to advertise that on Fridays, we have a cell meeting. And if you're part of a cell, you'll be very much aware of what I'm talking about very quickly. But if you're not, it means that you can change it and join the cell meetings and contact and keep in touch through the cells. So in verse 14, it says something. It says, so the word became human, that is to fulfill the promise, and made his home amongst us, Emmanuel, makes his home amongst us. He is full of unfailing love and faithfulness. He's full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Some other translation will say grace and truth. And we have seen his glory. In the beginning of the service, the team, glory, 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 we sang a glory along the way. We've seen his glory, the glory of the, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. That is in the person of Jesus Christ. God had to make himself visible to us. Praise God. Through his Son. At the beginning of the service, Pastor Custom led us through Exodus 33 verses 18, where Moses wanted to behold the glory of God, right? He wanted to. But it's not the the problem is not that God cannot show him his glory, but he cannot stand the full intensity of God's glory. Praise God. He cannot stand it. So God now decides to do something so that he can be able to. And let me tell you something. Moses did not recover from that little snippet he saw. Scripture tells us that Moses returned back, but he was glowing. He had to veil himself. He had to veil himself. Because people themselves, because he had had an encounter with God, people could not behold his face. Can you imagine if God had poured out everything on Moses? He just saw a bit of it. Praise God. A bit of it and people could not stand him. Praise God. And then he comes back and he had to, he, he couldn't even go back to where, he had to veil himself. But I love what the New Testament says. It says, with unveiled faces. With unveiled faces, we, the veil is off. We can now behold the glory of this God. And we don't just stay at one point. It says from one degree to another, we experience that glory. Praise God. I don't know if somebody's tracking with me. On the basis of 
this scripture, if you, if you track down to 17, 17 says something about what Moses brings and what Jesus Christ brings. In verses 17, now I, I don't want, I, I would just say it. Moses brings the law. Jesus Christ brings this grace and truth, right? Because the law, people struggled to keep the law, even though the law was very important. But people needed something to enable them to keep track with the law. And hence, Jesus Christ had to come and, and die that we can have a access, we can have that connection by which the Spirit of God will enable us to do it. It's amazing when you think about what, how God works. God, God knows that you cannot do it by yourself. Praise God. And we have Christians that are struggling, struggling, struggling when there is a provision that is made available for you to be able to live that life, for, for you to be able to shine that light unashamedly. Praise God. Shine the light unashamedly. Shine the light not looking at the lights around you. You know, light doesn't have to look at the other light to be able to shine effectively. The light just shines and dispels darkness. The light, doesn't, the light doesn't argue with darkness, praise God. It just shines effortlessly. And the glory that was upon Moses just came out. The only thing he could do was to cover it. But we see Jesus Christ saying that we should not even hide the light. And remember, we were saying that this light is not probably you shining. This light is a sense, yeah, there's a part where it can be physical, right? But there's a part where it's also the character of the individual shining forth the light of God. This light has a source, and the source is from God. So when you have a connection to God, you are able to shine because it's like the sun and the moon. The sun, the moon doesn't have a light of itself. It receives the light because it has to align, right? If it doesn't align, it won't shine. And what each and every one of us are called to do is to align ourselves, and, and that's what the, the, the God or through his son, Jesus Christ, is enabling us to do. And we'll see something. It says the Father's one and only Son. Father's one and only Son. How many of you here are sons and daughters of God so that we don't have a problem? How many of you here are sons and daughters of God? See what we have. Some people are not still sure. So it says, <laughs> and so that we may know, that's in Galatians 4, verses 6 to 7. It says, so that we may know, so that we would know that we are his true children. True children. And if it uses the adjective true, it means that it can be false children. Right? It can be false children. So it says true children. God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts. That is the true children. Right? True children. Moving us to cry out intimately. Right? Intimately. My father, my through Father. Praise God. So, now, Jesus Christ is not the one and only Son, right? He's no longer the one and only Son. We are all now sons and daughters of this great God that we serve. Amen. And 7 says, now that we're no longer living like slaves under the law, remember we spoke about the law. When you don't have the Spirit of God empowering you to live the law, I love the fact that anytime it lists the, it lists the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, it says, uh, it says uh, there's no law. It says that there's no, uh, uh, there's no law above this, right? It says something of that sort. That, there's no, that, that means you're living out his life 
causes, and I would love to use this illustration so that we get the point. If you jump off, I think Pastor Costin did, um, did this on Wednesday. I say if you jump off, is, are you surprised that you fall? No, gravity will pull you down, right? Gravity will pull you down. So what it simply means is that if I want to fly, I have to adopt or align or use a law that is greater or that supersedes gravity, which is the law of aerodynamics. So for you to be able to suspend yourself in air, <coughs> you have to engage something much more than what is available, right? So if you jump off, it's no surprise that you fall. And if it's a height, it's no surprise that you die. Because you're not just going to fall, you'll die as well. Praise God. But if you want to do that, people adopt certain things. Some people use kites. Some people get on a plane, right? A plane because there are people, if you don't know how to, some people will do it for you and then you'll be able to enter, right? So what it simply means is that the scripture tells us about the law of sin and death. And in Romans, it says there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Because they are in Christ. It's almost like the plane. <clears throat> because they are in Christ, there's now no more condemnation. The power of sin and death. Sin has no power. Death has no power over them. It says that death has lost its thing. Praise God. Death has lost its thing because Christ is in the... He has come. And it means that if you die... You, there's a problem, right? Because it means that you didn't use what was available, right? Going back to the illustration of somebody falling and dying. Because if you use what is available, you'll be suspended in the air. And way back, that would be magic, right? But now we have knowledge to know that it's possible. It's very much possible. Praise God. So it continues to say that we enjoy. We enjoy being God's own sons and daughters. We enjoy it. It's not something that you struggle to. Praise God. You enjoy the relationship. You enjoy being God's own sons and daughters. And because we are his, we can access everything our father has. Because we are his, we can access everything. For we are heirs because of what God has done. Praise God. Through our son, through son Jesus Christ. And I love the word, we can access everything. How do you access what is available? True knowledge. Praise God. True knowledge. When you lack knowledge, you will invariably lack access or you invariably not benefit from what is available. Because knowledge is, and knowing it is not enough. Using the knowledge is what gives you the result, right? Pastor Costin hammered on not just you having potential. If you lack the principles, what did, what did he say? Let's see those that were around. What did he say was going to be the result? It's destruction, right? Is it, there's frustration on the, the flip side of things. So let's so just, just summarize it. Frustration is going to be there. Destruction is going to be there. Praise God. So let's continue. I hope we're tracking. So what is the word of God? What is the word of God? The word of God produces results on encounter. It means that you cannot have an encounter with God's word and not see evidence. So we're going to be doing a couple of things. So I'll just walk through it very quickly. The word of God is food for the soul. 
food for the soul, not food for the body. Praise God. We love food for the body, but this is food for the soul. And so he humbled you. Let me stop there. At some point in time, we're going to talk about fasting, right? And the word humble, most times in scripture, the word humble is used a lot. And if you notice, when he uses the word humble, did he, did, did, is it mostly used as, um, most, most of the time, he, he says, the, the scripture tells us to humble ourselves, right? Humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. And there's a reason why he uses the word humble yourself. Because if he does the humbling, you might not like the results. And several times, he will, people that are prideful, instruction comes. Throw away your pride. Throw away your pride. Humble yourself. They refuse to hear. And a, a very classic example is Nebuchadnezzar, right? God shows him a dream. He gets, the, through Daniel, the dream gets interpreted. To God in Daniel, the dreams get interpreted, right? And then he still goes, in fact, the whole story was that the, the head of gold was Babylon, right? And then the other was Medo-Persia and all of that. So the man goes ahead in pride to make the whole statue gold, not the different parts. And then he goes on with his pride. And then God decides to humble him. I think it was on Wednesday, Pastor Fred read through. And humbling him, <laughs> he, ate, he had to become an animal and eat grass. So it's very important that when you use the word, Lord, humble me. When you pray, Lord, humble me. You know, some of us just pray some certain prayers that it's, you might not like the outcome. <coughs> so just humble yourself before he does the humble. So it says, allowing you to hunger. And it's, it's good when the, the, the instrument uses is what you can manage. Some people cannot manage hunger. Some people, hunger is like, and, and I, see, I think I was talking with one of the brothers. I said, it's, one, it's, it's amazing when you fast, right? When you fast, things will be slow, right? When you fast, things will be slow because your brain, body goes to conserve energy. So when somebody insults you, when you think of the energy to cost you to reply, you will just, this is not the time. We don't want to waste energy. And, and there are benefits. This is one of them. When you fast, you, you choose your words wisely. Because there are certain words you will say, you get replies back, and you cannot reply. So you just, so, so fasting slows a whole lot of things, right? Slows a whole lot of things down. And, uh, <laughs> but the thing is that we don't want to fast because, the, the stomach, the body doesn't like it, right? Because most of the times you eat morning, afternoon, and evening. So when you decide that, the next day you decide that you're going to eat once, your stomach will be sending signals to your brain and say, what are we doing, right? What are we doing? We usually have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now you want to go all through. And sometimes the stomach will rebel with noises, with noises. And I heard the story once of someone that the pastor had encouraged them to fast because their benefits of fasting walked them through all the benefits and they decided to go on the fast. So he was, and that particular day when he decided to fast, he was having to walk and then he was passing things to eat. He passed the confectionaries and his stomach was like rumbling and all of that. Then when he reached the point, he now said, okay, stomach, 
you have been bad and disturbing me through the whole day. For this reason, I will fast again tomorrow. And, and, and this, is, this is someone that decides that his stomach is not going to be the one to control him. Rather, he will control his stomach. And I know some people that don't even eat will now say, ah, that's good, we should be fasting. So I will flip it on the other side. Overeating and undereating, both of them are malnutrition. Praise God. So if you decide to eat over, if you decide to come under, fasting is that thing that we need to engage, the spiritual exercise that we need to engage once in a while. I've deviated a little bit, but I believe someone has said something they're going to hear again. Praise God. So it says, fed you with manna. So he allowed them to go, and it's beautiful that he allowed you to hunger, and then he comes through with manna. So even in the causing them to hunger, God still is merciful to provide something that they will eat, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Some of us are familiar with this verse, and we think that Jesus Christ just quotes the verse, and we know the one that he quoted in Matthew 4, verses 4. But this is where it's originally quoted by God himself, and that just goes to say that God... Jesus Christ is God himself as well. Praise God. And this is Deuteronomy. And the word of God is actually food for our soul. Notice it doesn't say food for our body. And notice that he says man shall not live by bread alone. It means that we, we live by bread, right? Physical food we need because we're physical beings. We need physical, we need energy. And food provides that. As spirit beings, we also need some form of energy, which is our spiritual nutrition as well. So it's likened to that. So every word that proceeds from the mouth of God is what we live by. And this is it. How can you live when you don't engage with God's word spiritually? So if you want your soul to be refreshed, Scripture tells us that times in God's presence are times of refreshing. Refreshment is good, but refreshing in God's presence is a lot better because it benefits you more than the physical. Amen. So we see that God's word is also powerful to save. God's word is powerful to save. I'd like us to note the scriptures. Just write it down. Some of us are taking notes. Just write it down because we'll not have time to go over all and all of it. And given, looking at my time, I, I, I hope I go through it. And anywhere we stop, we'll continue the next time we start. So it's not bad. So God's word is powerful to save. I'll say this. If you are here and you don't have a relationship with God, God's word is coming to you and is able to save you. There's a destruction ahead of you that you don't want to meet. If someone is on the plane and is about to, there's going to be a crash and is about to drop off, the person will not just drop off without something to enable them land safely, right? If you where the parachute that's provided for you, you will land safely. If you don't, the fall will be great and the end will be disastrous. So when God's word comes, notice that there's what God's word do or does. It saves you from the eternal destruction and it's saving you in the present time here and it will save you from the danger that lies ahead in this world. Praise God. So there is a save, there's a being saved there's a saving, and there's a saving that will happen ahead. So God's word is something that we need continually, and is empowered, it saves, it actually does save and save to the ultimate. 
God's word is a mirror. I love this one. God's word is a mirror. And we see this in James 1, 23 to 24. It says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. Praise God. I do this a lot. I think some of my students already know where we're going with this. So, when you look at the mirror, it says, you see yourself, right? Is that true? Or totally true, yeah? Yeah. So, okay, let me, yeah, some of us have gotten it already. So, when you look at the mirror, what you see is a reflection of yourself, right? Not, it's true that you see yourself, but what is actually at the other side is a reflection of yourself, right? And notice that when you make changes, when you make changes, do you make it to the mirror to yourself? Some people show up in a university like this or show up on the island and they're like, this place is rubbish. This place is... Why did I come here? And they start fighting and fighting. This is a system, right? You cannot change it. People have been here before you. They're not even shouting. You're the one that's shouting. Praise God. So what it means is that you need to take out time, look at yourself, know what to change. Because most of us come from different countries with the same mindsets and mentalities and we're, working, we're wondering why it's not working. Right? We're wondering why it's not working. It's not working because you're not trying to make changes to yourself. The same way with God's word. Once you look at it and you don't like what you see, because God's word, the mirror is the law of God. You look at it, it tells you, you need to change this, you need to change that. And we have a provision by which the Spirit of God enables us to do those changes. So we don't argue with the mirror, right? We look at the mirror and allow God walk in us. And it says something about you walking past. You know, when you look at God's word, it tells you that you're a wicked person. You're a murderer. You're rubbish. Just walk away and then forget that that was said to you. And if you really want to and you take God's word as it is, and you know that you're wicked, you, you have all of those things because that's how we're born, right? We're all born with that. Even if you're not manifesting it, you're just looking for the right opportunity to do so because it has not yet presented itself. It has not yet presented itself. So that's that. It's a mirror. So the word of God also is a discerner of our thoughts and intents. It, it discerns our thoughts and our intents. Some of us have intentions. But when we come to God's word, it discerns it. It discerns it for you to be able to work on it and change it. Praise God. So the word of God is a seed. So it has regenerative and life-giving abilities. The word of God is life. It's a life. Praise God. The seed. The word of God is water. It means it has the power to purify. We have Psalms 119 verses 9 and then John 17, 17. The word of God is able to sanctify us. The word of God is able to sanctify us. So, when you engage with God's word, you experience life-transforming encounters. The word of God is a lamp. It illuminates and guides us. It says the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it means that your feet will not hit the stone and your path is going to be brightened. Praise God. It talks about the path of the righteous. It's like a shining light and it just keeps increasing and increasing. The word of God is a consuming fire. It's a consuming fire. The word of God, um, Luke 24 speaks about 
when Jesus Christ was speaking to the people on the road to Emmaus, they realized that their hearts burned when the word was speaking. It's not a literal fire, but a f there's something that stirs up within you when you hear the word of God being spoken, and it's powerful. It's powerful. Have the case of Jeremiah. The word of God is a hammer. You are seated here, and your heart is very hardened. God's word is able to break hearts. He's able to turn the hearts into a heart of flesh, from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is a sword and is a weapon against the devil. It's not a weapon against your enemy or your friend, like your physical enemy. And if you're familiar with Ephesians 6, it talks about the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. It talks about all, all those things are defensive. They are defensive. There's nothing that you use to strike. The sword is what you use to strike. You, you can take an offense with a sword. You know, when you are taking, when sh people are shooting at you and then you are not retaliating, you know they keep shooting to break the walls. If you watch movies where they have like a fortress and then they keep hitting, if they don't retaliate, they will keep hitting and hitting till they break the, f the fence. So you need to engage the sword so that you can have an offense, not just defend. Praise God. And it's against the devil. It's not against your fellow brother because the scripture tells us that uh, the bones are warfare. It's not carnal. It's not carnal, but spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. It says it's a source of faith. So if you are lacking faith or you're, you feel that like you can't pull through a difficult situation, what it just simply means is that you have to go to God's word and believe God's word. Believe God's word. Praise God. The word of God is... A life-giving force is a life-giving force. It means that anywhere it comes in contact with someone, it gives life. It gives life. It gives life because it has the spirit of God. Once the spirit of anybody says life, there's liberty, there's freedom. Praise God. So let's quickly go to what the word of God is for. What the word of God is for. That's the benefits of engaging scripture. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching. Teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. So just look, take a look at this one, two, three, four. Let's look at another translation. This is the J.B. Phillips. It says, All scriptures is inspired by God. It is useful for teaching the faith. Not just teaching. Teaching the faith. Correcting error. Resetting the direction of a man's life. Very powerful. Resetting the direction of a man's life. And training him for good living. Training him for good living. Not just any kind of living. Good living. Teaching him the faith. Not chemistry, engineering, whatever it is. Not any of those things. <laughs> teaching him the faith and correcting error and we'll see what those things are it, it's teaching you what is right teaching you what is right it's when it rebukes or reproves what is not right so what is not right and when it's correcting it's correcting and how to make it right how to make it right and then when it's instructing is how to keep it right so all of these things are what you require because 
most of the times you, you really don't know what is right and what is wrong. The line is blurry. But God's word sets the standard. God's word is our standard for living as God's children. When it reproves, it reproves. You know, sometimes you can go off. You can go back to where you were coming from. But it tells you, okay, no, this is not right. And then tells you in correcting how to make it right and then keeps you on track with it. And it's, it does all this because God uses it for us to be prepared, right? To be prepared and equipped and equips his people to do every good work, right? As light, we're meant to shine. And shining involves doing good, every good work. Praise God. Are we tracking? Are we seeing that God's word is very needed? It's essential. So if you don't engage it, you don't see the results. And I want to quickly do this and probably will stop here. So I love this. Okay, it's, it's even I, I, when I looked at it, it wasn't looking as good as on my system. <laughs> so it's a lot bigger, so we can read through it. So I want us to understand that it's a process, right? It's a process. And the process of change through God's word is when God's word is now mine. It's not like it's what I said. You, you, you know it for yourself, right? You know it for yourself. And how it starts off is that God's word and its precept is communicated to you, right? So the knowledge of God's word is communicated to you. All of those things is communicated to you. And then the challenge now is you making a decision to respond obediently to it, right? Because once somebody tells you what to do or what is the right thing to do, you struggle too. So you have that back and front because it's something that you're not used to. And we are creatures of habit. We always like doing things the same way, even if it doesn't make sense. You ask somebody, why are you doing it? It's like, it's not needed. Like, you don't have to do this. But they'll say, okay, usually we start from step one, and then we go to step two, and then step three. But you don't need step two and three because in this context, like, it... <laughs> but we just like doing things in that order. So communicate, then the challenge now is to obey. And just imagine somebody tells you to stop brushing your teeth every day. You know, that, that's going to be hard. Because by default, you just carry yourself on. You don't even think about it. You just go right through it. So there's the challenge. And then doing it regularly needs commitment. It needs commitment. And most of us lack the commitment to pull through. And become, it's practical. So some people have said, like, oh, this new year, we're going to do this and that and that. How many of us are still doing it? Just needed the first, okay, some people are behind waving. So you just need the first week. For those of us that are commitments like this, that's the first, in fact, the day before, we say, okay, we'll do it next year. When we have a long time to do it, you don't have to wait for 25, 25, 25, up to seven days in a week. And you know you can start every, every new day is a new, it can be a new year. <laughs> it can be a new year. You don't have to wait for a whole cycle, a whole 365 days to complete. So commitment is something that you have to do regularly. And once you do it well enough, consistent, you're consistent enough, it now becomes a culture. It now becomes a culture. It now becomes a solidified habit. So, and it's funny that the things that are good for you, you don't like them, right? The things that will benefit you, that will help you. You prefer to do the things that, it's like, and that's why I have a problem with you telling someone that smokes that smoking will kill you. No, it's, it's obvious to them. They see it on a pack of cigarettes. They see it, in fact, a lot of ads. People talk against it a lot. So 
So I used to laugh at people that say, you need to stop smoking. Or you need to stop doing, I'm using smoking as an example. You need to stop doing it. You need to stop doing, you need to stop doing this and that and that. And the person hears you, right? It's not that they're deaf. They hear you. But <laughs> they need more than that to stop. They need more than you telling them what they know already. Right? So you need to change and maybe start from praying for them regularly. So that once you speak it, there's how you say it. There's how you say it. There's how you say it. I was just reminded of, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. When you say, I'm glad to be in the day that the Lord has made, you know that changes everything. You know that, that, that changes the way it's been said. I'm glad that I'm in this day that the Lord has made. So you, you might just say it different because most times people create a block because they've heard it so many times. You're not the first person to tell them. So there's a block around about it. Some of you are hearing me say, ah, it's good to read God's word daily, but you have been hearing it. In fact, your family, <laughs> you've been, been struggling to do it. But you need to get past hearing, right? You need to get past hearing, which is some of us are still here. It has been communicated, communicated. It's not yet a culture. So you have to do challenge. We don't like process. We always like the finished product because the world sells us that all the time. The full, like, they don't show you how they got there. They just show you that they're there. And then you'll be like, I want to be like them. But you don't know that it requires work to be there. Because you don't see it because it doesn't happen outside. And some people even fake the work. They come out and show you the work, like they're working and working. But after the cameras are out, they revert back to the normal. Praise God. So it requires work. And these things, it's not, Sunday is not where you do the work now. Praise God. It's not, it's not on Sunday that you do the work. The work has been happening before now. If you want to really get to the point where it's a culture, right? So Psalms 119 verses 56 says, This has become mine that I observe thy tenants. So it's now a personal thing. It's not a thing that is said, communication. It's not a thing that you are still, of which you can be here. But don't be here for a whole year. Get past the challenge and get to a point where you are regularly committing to it. <laughs> a pastor was asked by the parent, was like, Do, does my child attend church services regularly? You know, that's a very, and the pastor doesn't want to say something that will get the child in trouble. So the, the pastor now says, the, the question was, does my child attend church service regularly, right? So he says, yes. At least once in a month, it's regularly. <laughs> because at least it shows up once in a month. Even though that's the wrong answer, but the pastor was just trying to avoid the situation. I don't know what's the right or wrong thing to do. But the, th the truth about it is that you can't keep playing around with stuff. You just have to get past the point where, and it's not church attendance that, why not go say it's consistent. It's not church attendance that gets your relationship with God, right? It's really not it. It's you deciding to yourself that you're going to really change up your relationship with God. Some of us, the relationship has been there the same place for a long time. And how this can happen, how the change can happen is by you deciding to yourself, you might not feel like it. Fasting is really not a good thing, but it has benefits, right? And when you know the benefits, you're some of the times wanting to try it out and see for yourself. But the problem is that when you do day one, your body will tell you, let's not go back there. 
I hated the way I felt. So if you're going there, you're going to be alone. And this is a conversation between you and your body. And, and when you refuse to make the change, your body now leaves you. That's why people collapse. <laughs> That's why people collapse as a sign that I told you, I told you. So what it simply means, I'm going to leave us with this point as we close. So I just said that to say that you don't just do it like that. You know, fasting, you just come and you've been doing three, three times a day and then you want to just go no food at all. Give your body, take it one step at a time. It's like what I said about brushing. Don't do one hour. Your gums will bleed. And you will now have other issues to deal with. Aside the fact that the smell is going to be there as well. Praise God. So it means that you have to get to the point where you're consistent. Even if it's a verse, stay there. Commit yourself to it. Commit yourself to it and stay there. You don't feel like it, but you're doing it. You know, if we do all the things we feel like doing, we are not going to go anywhere. Some people don't feel, even the people that go and they, are, they don't feel like going to the gym, but they have to go because at the end of the day, they have to show up and show up and they are in shape for whatever it is they are doing if they're athletes. So, and Apostle Paul always gives us this mindset of a soldier, an athlete. He gives us all these things so that we can be able to relate or see how we love military people, but we, don't, we hate the idea of going to the military or being a military person because the process is what we don't like, but we like the uniform. And that just communicates how we just love finished products and we don't like the process through which we get to that part. That part. So I, like, I would like us to just, in closing, there's more, but I'd like us in closing to just close our eyes and just say, Father, help me to get past the communication. Help me to get past the phase where I'm hearing it. And today is a Sunday, you're hearing it, and you've been hearing it, and you will keep hearing it. But you need to get to the point where you, you face it head on. You challenge yourself and say, Father, I want to now get past hearing and then get to a point where I'm doing it. I don't want to be a heedless hearer. I want to be an active doer. I want to be someone that does it. And not just doing it anyhow, but doing it rightly. Because you can decide to read the whole chapter and then you not do it again till the next month. But you can take a verse and do the little Little, because God works from the little to the big. Even when food is broken down, it's broken down to the little because that is how it's able to be assimilated by the body. So, so you don't want to rush it. You don't want to take a whole lot at once. It will either hurt you or harm you. Say, Father, help me to stay consistent. Help me to stay committed to your word. Help me to go back to that Bible plan I was doing that I stopped along the way. Help me to switch things up and seeing that, okay, this doesn't work. I need, really need to engage your word. I need, need to be taught by you. I need, need to be corrected by you. I need, need to be rebuked by you. I really need to be instructed, be trained by you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your people. Thank you so much for the ones that don't know you, but are seeking and desiring to come into a relationship with you. I don't know whether there's someone here that wants to have a relationship with God. I don't want you to get past the door and not decide to make a commitment. Because the first commitment is you wanting and willing and posturing yourself to now have a relationship with him because that is the only way you can have the spirit of God that makes you a son or a daughter. 
and then gets you to the point where you are divinely enabled by his spirit. Because we can't do all these things by ourselves. We can set up mechanisms and systems, but we'll still struggle because the spirit of God is not in it. And once the spirit of God is in it, there's life. Once the spirit of God is in it, there's power. Once the spirit of God is in it, there's consistency. Once the spirit of God is in it, we don't stay on the ground. The Bible says that though we'll fall seven times, but every time we fall, we rise again. And someone is rising again from the ashes. Someone is rising again to that place where they are able to consistently trust God for the strength to make the changes that needs to be made for transformation to occur in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because someone is making a decision. Someone is making a commitment to you. Someone is getting to the point where it shifts past commitment to the part where it's culture, to a part where the individual is having that relationship with you, is breathing in and studying and encountering and receiving an encounter from your word because we can never be the same because when we touch your grace there's a glowing there's a shining that happens that transcends the physical light that is not just a, a, a stadium light that is beyond that that is powerful that stays past this time in the mighty name of jesus thank you heavenly father thank you lord jesus thank you spirit of the living god for you are doing what only you can do and you're receiving the glory for it all in the mighty name of jesus